Rosita Firth. And you're joining us for Kingsbridge BCP podcast, where we talk about all things business continuity. Today, Skip Williams, the co-founder of Kingsbridge BCP, and I are talking about whether or not you should hire a consultant to help you build your business continuity plans or do it yourself. Skip, how are you doing today? Good, Rosita. How are you today? I am well. Happy 4th of July and happy belated Canada Day. Yeah, it is the 4th of July, isn't it? It's kind of nice. There's no web traffic. Email's very quiet. It's uh, it's a nice little break on a Monday. It's a good way to start the week. Yes, it is. So um, we thought we'd talk about whether or not you should be hiring a consultant to biz- build your business continuity plans. And um, I've done it both ways. I'm sure so have you. So yeah. we want to talk a little bit about the pros and cons and some things you might want to consider. So... First off, as Kingsbridge BCP, you've helped a lot of clients build their business continuity plans, and um, it's a great way to get things done quickly. Yeah, because Kingsbridge does both, we've got clients who are both software-only clients, and we've got clients who are consulting clients. And the consulting clients, a few have come from the software-only realm and realized that they just weren't going to get it done. Um, but the, the bulk of them have come to us directly to get it done because they've tried in the past using their own solutions, their own tools, you know, Microsoft office or anything along those lines, SharePoint and everything. And, uh, really what they've found is that trying to get it built off the side of your desk without it being your primary focus was really difficult. And with everything that you do on research online nowadays, you get you know both sides of the story. You get five stories that'll tell you to do it this way and five that'll tell you to do it this way. Mm-hmm. Um, where normally with a consultant, they'll bring in a lot of experience and they'll be able to, to step you through it and be able to sort of put you on one set path from, from A to, to Z to make sure that you're getting everything done. Um, we have seen some, and I'm not going to use names because you know that doesn't go over very well for anybody, but we have seen some where the consultants weren't necessarily thinking of the client as their primary focus. They were thinking of their billing as their primary focus. And it's mm-hmm. one of those ones where it's a bit unfortunate because they end up with this huge bloated document that's impossible to try to maintain or to manage. And they don't really have a solution or a, a, a clearly defined you know, uh, goal, I guess, to get to. Where mm-hmm. what we do when when we work with people, and this is something that I'm not saying that you should work with Kingsbridge, I'm just saying that you know these are things that we've seen, is that if you're talking to a to a consultant, is I'd be wanting to get a pretty much a project plan from them. When are you going to have this done? When are you going to have that done? Mm-hmm. What is the involvement going to be of my business units and my company and everything? Because those are at the end of the day all your resources, and you can mm-hmm. only burn your resources as quickly as you can. And if you're not doing it for business, you're doing it for business continuity, you're going to get people to get a little bit sort of, I guess, disillusioned with the whole process. Yeah. And and I've seen that as well. Um, Again, not naming any names. No. One of the things that I have noticed in my career, um, whether it was running a business continuity program or as a team member of a business continuity team, is that when you hire an outside consultant to do your business continuity plan. If they're kind of using their methodology, best practices and everything else, that's great, but you get a plan that fits their process, their methodology, 
that doesn't necessarily accurately reflect how your company functions and how you would actually use that plan in the event it needed to be activated. So there's a potential downside there. If you don't have a strong enough business continuity organization in place already to kind of guide the consultants, then they're, they're attempting to <clears throat> help you by using like their structure. But I think it works better if you already kind of have somebody pretty experienced in business continuity who's driving the whole thing to say like, this is what our organization needs and I'm hiring the consultants to help do that work. Yeah. The flip side is, is that if your organization isn't terribly mature overall, you might wind up not following some best practices if you're trying to drive the bus and not let the consultants do what they do best. So there's a, a pro and a con there like there are with most things that you kind of have to watch out for, I think. Um, I believe that it works best if you have a situation where you know your organization very well, there is general consensus on this is what our BCP should accomplish. And the consultants can help deliver that plan in a structure that your organization can actually use. Because again, there's nothing worse than a four inch binder sitting on a shelf while you're in the parking lot and the building's on fire. Yeah, and we've had it, I guess, in essence, both ways, where we've had some clients who, you know, for all intents and purposes, hand you the keys to the kingdom, and they say, you know what, write a BCP, <clears throat> see you later. And you're like, okay. But thankfully, in those ones, generally, they're in an industry that has some sort of regulation around it. So be it like FFIEC with a bank mm -hmm. or credit union or whatever, and some of this, where we can build based on this, the guidelines by the FFIEC. Yeah because we know that's what they're going to be audited against. We've had other clients where they've, in essence, tied us to a PMP. So not speaking ill of PMPs, mm -hmm. but that's an entirely different beast where they're in essence micromanaging every step you're taking throughout the entire process. And it makes it much more inefficient because when we're working with them, they're working on their time frame as opposed to what we know works and, and doesn't work. And again, mm -hmm. it's one of those things where I'm not saying that, you know, Kingsbridge is the best way to do consultants or consulting or software or anything like that. But what we try to do with it is that we try to look at what the, the goal is. And in most cases, it's a BCP that'll need an audit of some sort. And we're like, okay. And so we back up from there to say, okay, we need to have to started this three days ago. And these, this is the process that we have to go through. And mm -hmm. if you get a consultant that comes at it with that mindset, I think you're going to more likely to have a, a positive outcome than one mm -hmm. that where they kind of go, oh, excellent. We can just get in here and start building for days and nobody's ever going to figure out what we do and anything like that. <laughs> um, the other thing that we try to do is we try to be proactive with notifying or with updating our the contact at the client site so that we're letting them know where we're at or who we're having trouble with. So if there's any problems or anything starting to go off the rails, they can kind of go, oh, we'll bring it back. Nine times out of 10, we send them the email, they, they just write back saying thanks and they've probably never read it. But it's at the end of the day, it means that, you know, we feel better about it. They know what's going on and it just goes from there. So.
right, so we've talked a bit about what if you're going to use consultants to help you build your BCP. So now we're going to take a look at you're writing the business continuity plan yourself or with your group of BCP professionals or with resources out in the various departments. What are some things that you need to consider as you go about plan building when you don't have a team of consultants at your fingertips? There's so many variables. There's so many different things. Um, I think the way that I would look at doing it and the ones we see that are most successful and the ones that are, you know, sort of get off the ground and, you know, pretty straightforward is that they can, it's a tool that's flexible enough that allows you to work within the confines of your business, as opposed to trying to make your business fit within the confines of the software. Mm -hmm. but it gives you enough information that it's sort of like, in essence, twigs or triggers, you know, thought processes where you're like, oh, okay, yeah, this is what I have to do. This is what I have to do. And if it says, you know, you have to do this right away, it allows you to be able to skip that and come back. Um, there, I think with every tool, like every, you know, uh, you know official BCP tool, that there's um, a methodology to the way that they work and the way that they want it to all be done. I haven't seen one though that's you know sort of the best or ones that are the worst. There are some that are better than others. There are some that are worse than others. Some of the worst than other ones are you know they turn into shelfware. So instead of having your four-inch BCP binder on the on the shelf, you've got a four-inch you know software box on the shelf that you're never using and you're paying you know six figures for it. More expensive doesn't necessarily mean better. It just means that you're paying more money and there's generally a lot more features, which generally cause more confusion, which requires you then have a consultant to do the install of your software. If you're going to try to write it yourself, I think you'd want one that's relatively flexible from the number of users that you need to have that so that you're not trying to do it all through like one user profile or anything along mm -hmm. those lines. You're actually building it with you know, multiple people um, you know, being able to access it and edit it. Plus you want it such that it's not locked to one system so that by that, I mean, is that you can get tools that are, you know, require heavy database management or whatever. And if you only have two licenses that allow you to do it, then the old, only those two people can input the information. So that puts a lot of onus on those two people. And if those two people are key people in five other facets of your business, you're never going to get their time to, to do it. And so the thing is, is that if you don't have the resources to be able to do the work, there's no point in doing the work like planning to do the work before you can get input it kind of thing um i think probably as well what i would look for is one that allows you know not necessarily um being locked into something i've seen a bunch of tools where what they'll do is they'll output to a pdf and the only way to be able to get it from a pdf to somewhere else is that you have to you know continue to pay the pay the money or pay mm -hmm. the subscription fee or whatever stuff like that for it and so I'd be a little bit hesitant on those ones, because if you want to be able to edit the document, you should be able to edit it after the fact if you no longer want to use that software tool. Um, and so I guess it's just getting sort of getting caught or sort of cornered into one of these things where you've made the commitment down one sort of vein or strain or workflow mm -hmm. that you're now stuck that way forever. And, and you can, I'm not going to say go bankrupt, try and keep your software going, because if you're that close to zero, then probably tool isn't what's going to put you over the limit 
Um, but I would also look at something where we talked a little bit about with the consultants where we'll build to an audit specification or whatever. And the auditors, you know, want to be able to see your tool. And if you're going to give them access to your tool, you know, you don't want to give them read, read, write access to your entire tool because mm -hmm. we only know what will get changed. Not intentionally, just purely by accident. They fat finger mm -hmm. something and it doesn't work. Um, but I'd also want to be a little bit careful on, on, you know, how I can give permissions and who can get permissions and everything mm -hmm. like that, or to be able to build it, you know, appropriately. And also, I guess, buy a tool that's within scope of your business. If you're a 12 person credit union, there is no need for a $150,000 a year tool. That's just crazy. But also be, you know, aware that, you know, if you're buying a $20,000 tool, it doesn't mean that it's one seventh as good as a $140,000 tool. It just probably has one seventh of the features, which if you're only a small credit union or a, or a small business, you probably don't care that it doesn't have a million features because you don't really want a million features to try to learn how to use them or to keep everybody up to date on how to be able to, to manage it. Agreed. There's very little that's worse than software that people don't have the opportunity to learn because they only touch it a couple times a year. Mm -hmm. And there's literally nothing worse than a bad software implementation for business continuity. Yeah. I worked at a couple of companies where prior to my being there, there had been a bad, bad implementation. Wasn't necessarily that the wrong software was chosen. In one case, I would say it was probably not the right software for that organization. But the implementation left such a sour taste from the highest levels of the organization down to the analysts that were inputting the data that it took years to convince people to give a different software a try. Um, and that's a, that's a tough hurdle to overcome as a business continuity planner if you want to get away from Word, for example, and use a tool that's able to help you manage your data, which Word, that's not what Word does. Word produces a document. Yeah. Great. You can put in tables, you can do, you know, you can import from databases and things like that, but it's not meant to be a, a tool for business continuity planning. No. Um, but it is very tough to, to recover after a bad software implementation. So if that's the situation that somebody finds themselves in, um, I think it's really important that if you do get any kind of buy-in for a, a software that you make darn sure that the implementation is going to go well because you want to be able to have that win <clears throat> and support yeah. the organization. Yeah, for sure. And because you're using, generally speaking, you're forced or you're using this in an adverse condition, you want it to be something that's pretty straightforward, simple, and easy for people to be able to use, figure out, or remember how to use it. Because there's mm -hmm. nothing worse than trying to figure out how to use Access when you've never used it before and you're trying to do it. I realize you can't use Microsoft Access on your phone, but if you're trying to teach yourself how to do it from your phone on a teeny little screen, wow, like, no, try to keep it as simple as you possibly can and just yeah. be able to go from there. So, yeah. Simple is, is almost always the right way to go when it comes to business continuity planning.
so other than kind of an emphasis on simpler is better when it comes to your business continuity plan, do you have kind of a final recommendation for someone who is looking to DIY their business continuity plan, either because of limited budget, limited resources, or both to kind of help them get off on the right foot? I guess if I was looking from a recommendations perspective on it, or a sort of a, you know, I'm not going to say best practices, but I guess from most experience, I guess, is that it's one of these things where it sets your expectations. If you're doing it such that it's done DIY, remember that you have an entire other job ahead of you. And so as a result, you're going to be a little bit busy with that. Whereas if you do it from, um, you know, if you if you go the, the consultant route, and I'm not making a case for it, I'm just saying if you go the consultant route, that is all they're focused on. They're focused on getting everything done for you. So they probably will get it done a lot quicker than you would have mm -hmm. done. Yeah. But it's also more expensive. And if you don't have the resources, make sure that you've got the time yourself or any of the resources in your business to help you make sure that you get your plan or your, your project completed as quickly and as, as succinctly mm -hmm. as possible. But don't think that you're going to ask HR tomorrow for your personnel list and they're going to be able to give it to you in half an hour. Don't get mad at them. Don't get upset. Don't freak out. Don't lose your <laughs> mind or anything like that. They've got another job as well. And so make sure you give yourself time. And one of the things that we always mm -hmm. do with it is that if we're looking for an HR database from for the personnel for the business, I think we give them two weeks for HR to get it back to us. We generally give them a reminder after a week and it generally takes them until like the Thursday afternoon of the second week to get it to us. But that's <laughs> just how it works because they're mm -hmm. busy doing everything else under the sun as well. And so it's, it's just understanding that this isn't the number one task or priority for everybody else. Equally, when you have your teams do uh, reviews or updates or anything like that, understand that's going to take time because you're generally asking your managers to do something that they have A, no idea what the heck you're asking them to do. B, have no time to do it because they're busy doing all of their job and doing all their mm -hmm. management sort of the job. And this process just, just takes time. And so pretty much any time you think it's going to take, pretty much double it because that's pretty much the accurate amount of time that it's going to take. Mm -hmm. um, that's a great point. I think that that would be the part that I would sort of like, if there was any takeaway from all of this, <laughs> it's like, take it easy. It's just going to take some time. That's a great point. Um, I think if I was going to answer that question, I would avoid BCP word templates like the plague, mm. um, at least using them as is. You can find templates all over the internet. I think if you were going to use something like that rather than go with a software, my response would be like take out like 85 to 90% of it if you actually expect to be able to use your plan. So the corollary on that for me would be choose a software and choose one that is simple enough that somebody who only logs in twice a year to update the contact list for their department can actually do that without hours of retraining. Yeah. And, and I think those two things combined, um, regardless of the actual content of your plan, those two things on the front end can help prevent a lot of heartache and increase your chances of success when you actually need to utilize your plan. Yeah, and I, I think that the, 
what I would take away from that is that the one of the things that we always use from our perspective of building software and everything on those lines is that if there's a saying, generally it's true. And so you get what you pay for. And it's one of these things where if it's a free word template, you're getting what you pay for, which doesn't mean that it's wrong. It just might mean that it's not designed for you. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's going to be limitations with it and everything along those lines, but that's for a whole other podcast for us to talk about. Oh, yeah. The other one is that from the software development side of things, as you said about, you know, people who can use it. So I'm 49. My mom is 76. She was a school teacher. She taught the profoundly gifted. So the really smart kids and all sorts of stuff like that or whatever. And I'd give her as a smarter than average mom maybe but the way that we look at it is that if I can't hand this to my mom and she instantly understands how it works it's too confusing because Mm -hmm. it's just one of those things that like you said is that if you know you don't touch it twice a year or if you only touch it twice a year you have to know how it works right away and everything like that so yeah you try to boil it down to the the bare necessities, I guess. You try to get a lot of the fluff and all that sort of stuff with that. I mean, those look great for software demos, but it doesn't help you access your plan from the parking lot while the building's burning down around you kind of thing. And so that's what we try to do with it. And that would be the takeaway that I would look at is that if somebody opens a dashboard to you and you're like for their tool or whatever, you're like, whoa, do you remember you have to use that software all the time? And it's like, man, that's really confusing. Nobody's going to understand how to use that. And so to try Mm -hmm. to keep it as keep it simple and straightforward i think is a tagline again it's if there's a saying it must be true (laughs) thank you we hope you enjoyed today's podcast um check us out on kingsbridgebcp.com go find the podcasts wherever you listen to podcasts and check back with us often um chaos is bad for business Keep that in mind as you plan your business continuity plan. Very true, very true. And we are, or we do have a webinar where it was uh, software and consultants. And so if you if this topic was interesting to you, you want to hear more about it, we do have a much longer, more in-depth discussion on it. We'll be getting that up on the channel shortly. So that's one to consider as well. Sounds good. Thanks. Thanks very much, everybody. Have a great afternoon. Bye-bye. Bye.